Hey there, Larry. We hope you're enjoying your day in Atlanta. Absolutely, and what a Wednesday it's shaping up to be. Let's hope you got something special for Danielle for Valentine's Day, or that beautiful day may not last for you much longer. Well, on that note, let's jump into today's top stories. First up, a controversial proposal that's turning heads in the world of sports. Aaron D'Souza is shaking up the Olympic landscape with plans for the Enhanced Games, an event that breaks all rules by allowing athletes to use performance-enhancing drugs or technology. Despite facing heavy criticism from traditionalists and institutions like the IOC, D'Souza has garnered support from investors and even celebrated athletes such as James Magnuson. But is this vision innovative or just a dangerous departure from sportsmanship? I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. You're listening to The Daily Squeeze from PocketPod News. Also making headlines, a push for change in legal terminology by the American Bar Association. They're advocating for court-appointed master to be replaced with court-appointed neutral across federal rules of procedure. Citing negative connotations and an outdated sense of authority implied by master, this move aims at modernizing court language while enhancing descriptive accuracy. States like Maryland and Delaware are already on board, but will this suggestion resonate across all judiciary levels? And finally, Amazon finds itself in hot water as it gears up for a 2026 trial date set by a U.S. federal judge over antitrust allegations by the Federal Trade Commission. Accused of operating an illegal monopoly that's bumped up prices for U.S. households by more than $1 billion, Amazon is under scrutiny like never before. With both sides digging their heels in, this landmark case could redefine competitive practices in the digital age. As we navigate these complex stories together, remember that understanding our world's shifting dynamics helps us all play a more informed role in it. Stay with us. We've got all the news you need to start your day right here on The Daily Squeeze. This message is brought to you by PocketPod, revolutionizing the podcast experience with the power of generative AI. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to content that listens to you, tailored to your interests, schedule, and style preferences. With PocketPod, every episode feels like it's made just for you, transforming how you experience podcasts. Ready for a personalized listening journey? Visit PocketPod.app today to join the waitlist. In the world of sports, a radical new concept is stirring controversy and excitement in equal measure. It's called the Enhanced Games, envisioned by Aaron D'Souza. The idea? Let athletes use any substance or technology banned by the World Anti-Doping Agency to shatter records and reap rich rewards. With big names like Peter Thiel backing it, this vision challenges everything we've come to expect from international sports competition. But not everyone's on board. Right, the International Olympic Committee and anti-doping agencies have slammed the concept. They argue it could undermine the spirit of fair play and put athlete safety at risk. Dangerous clown show is how Travis Tygart from the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency described it. Despite this, D'Souza is pushing forward with plans to start after the Paris Olympics. PocketPod sports reporter Dustin Sherman joins us now to dive deeper into this controversial vision. Dustin, how are athletes reacting to this idea of competing on a whole new level? Well, Jonathan... The reaction among athletes has been mixed but undeniably intrigued. Many see Aaron D'Souza's enhanced games as an opportunity to push the boundaries of human performance beyond what's currently accepted in traditional sports competitions. The allure of competing for substantial financial rewards while using 
pharmacological or technological assistance to shatter world records is compelling for some. However, there's also a significant portion of the athlete community that remains skeptical about the ethical implications and the potential health risks involved. Fascinating perspective there. Can you elaborate on how D'Souza's vision challenges the traditional model of international sports competitions? Absolutely. Traditionally, international sports have celebrated natural talent and hard work under stringent anti-doping controls to ensure a level playing field. D'Souza's enhanced games turn this notion on its head by not only permitting but encouraging the use of substances banned by the World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA. This fundamentally challenges the concept of fair play and fair competition by creating a platform where athletes compete for themselves rather than their countries, supported by big-name investors like Peter Thiel and others. It's a radical shift towards rewarding excellence with fewer restrictions aiming to redefine what it means to excel in sports. That's quite a shift indeed. How has the International Olympic Committee responded to this concept? The International Olympic Committee has been very clear in its opposition. They argue that the enhanced games would undermine fair competition and erode the integrity of sports as we know it. The IOC's stance is that introducing a format which centrally features performance-enhancing drugs contradicts accepted rules and values, potentially harming athletes' health and tarnishing sports reputation globally. With such strong opposition from established institutions like the IOC, how realistic are D'Souza's plans for implementing these games? Despite these hurdles, D'Souza's plans are moving quite swiftly. Initially set for after the Paris Olympics with qualifications beginning shortly thereafter, Interest from thousands of athletes sparked notably after swimmer James Magnuson's announcement has accelerated these timelines significantly. Now aiming for fully produced games by mid-2025, it seems there's tangible momentum behind making these controversial games a reality. Interesting points on momentum there, Dustin. But what about safety? How does D'Souza plan to manage that aspect in events where banned substances are allowed? Safety is indeed a major concern. However, D'Souza has emphasized that there will be clinical control over athletes' preparation processes to ensure safety standards are met. This implies rigorous medical oversight rather than an unregulated environment for doping practices a key distinction meant to address concerns about athlete well-being while still permitting enhanced performance through scientific means. And yet, criticism persists, especially from anti-doping agencies. Rightly so. Travis Tigart from the United States Anti-Doping Agency notably described it as a dangerous clown show, reflecting skepticism not just about its ethical stance, but also regarding safety and integrity within such competitions. These criticisms underscore persistent doubts about whether such games can truly reconcile ambitious performances with athlete welfare and practice. It appears Aaron D'Souza's vision is stirring quite a debate across different facets of sports ethics and governance. Thank you for those insights, Dustin. My pleasure, uh, Jonathan. 
it's certainly an evolving story with far-reaching implications for how we approach competition and excellence in sports. Changes could be on the horizon for a term long used in the federal courts. Right. The American Bar Association is pushing to replace the term court-appointed master with court-appointed neutral. They argue that the current term carries negative connotations and doesn't accurately reflect the role these individuals play in guiding complex litigation. PocketPod News national political correspondent Don Gallup has been following this story closely. Don, this proposal is about more than just a name change, isn't it? Absolutely, Jonathan. At its core, this proposal by the American Bar Association to replace court-appointed master with court-appointed neutral is about modernizing legal language and making it more inclusive and accurate. The term master carries with it a range of historical connotations that many find problematic, especially in relation to slavery. By proposing this change, the ABA is seeking not only to eliminate these negative associations, but also to provide a term that more accurately describes the role these individuals play in the legal system. So, what exactly does this role entail? Can you break down for us what a court-appointed master, or should I say neutral, does? Sure, Jonathan. Court-appointed masters, or as the proposal suggests we call them, court-appointed neutrals, are essentially experts appointed by courts to manage certain aspects of complex litigation. Their responsibilities can vary widely, but often include mediating disputes between parties, offering specialized knowledge in areas like science or accounting, and making recommendations to courts on how certain issues should be resolved. It's a multifaceted role that goes beyond mere decision-making. It's about guiding litigation towards resolution with expertise and neutrality. Interesting. And why is now the right time for such a change? Well, there's been a broader movement within various sectors to reevaluate language and terminology to ensure inclusivity and accuracy. The ABA's proposal is part of this larger trend. Moreover, states like Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Delaware have already taken steps to replace the term master in their court rules. This national proposal could standardize terminology across the board while reflecting our evolving understanding of language's impact. You mentioned some additional suggestions by the ABA concerning U.S. bankruptcy cases. Could you elaborate on that? Of course. Alongside the proposal we've been discussing, the ABA has also suggested allowing U.S. bankruptcy judges more flexibility in appointing court-appointed neutrals specifically for bankruptcy cases. This would enable judges to use neutrals for tasks such as resolving discovery disputes or providing expert insight on complex issues like patent law or claims valuation. It's about leveraging expertise effectively within the judiciary system to make it more efficient and informed. It seems like these changes could have significant implications for how legal procedures are conducted. Definitely, the adoption of these proposals could not only improve how complex cases are managed, but also signal a shift towards more modern and sensitive legal practices. It reflects an acknowledgement of language's power and an effort to ensure that our legal system evolves alongside societal values. That was PocketPod News national political correspondent Don Gallup giving us an insightful look into proposed changes in legal terminology by the American Bar Association. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Always good to discuss how our society seeks progress, even through something as fundamental as language change in our legal system. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission has taken a major step against one of the giants of the online marketplace, 
That's right. On September 26, the FTC filed an antitrust lawsuit against Amazon, accusing it of operating an illegal monopoly. It's a case that could reshape how products are sold online. And with a trial date set for October 2026, it seems we're in for a long legal showdown. PocketPod News business correspondent Leah Haynes has been following this story closely. Leah, what can you tell us about the allegations and what they might mean for Amazon and online retail? Absolutely, Jonathan. The FTC's lawsuit against Amazon marks a significant move in antitrust enforcement within the tech industry. At its core, the FTC accuses Amazon of operating an illegal monopoly by preventing sellers on its platform from offering lower prices elsewhere. This is a part of what's being seen as a broader crackdown on big tech companies for practices that may harm competition and, by extension, consumers. That sounds quite serious. Can you break down exactly how Amazon is alleged to have done this? Sure. One of the key allegations centers around Project Nessie, an algorithm Amazon is said to have used to manipulate prices across the online retail space. Essentially, the FTC claims that this algorithm helped Amazon identify and match price increases on other platforms, leading to over $1 billion in inflated costs for U.S. households. It's these kinds of tactics that the FTC argues not only bolstered Amazon's monopoly power, but also directly harmed consumers by keeping prices artificially high. It's interesting you mention harm to consumers because Amazon has countered these allegations quite strongly, haven't they? That's correct. Amazon's defense essentially boils down to arguing that their business practices are standard across the retail industry and not specifically anti-competitive. They've asked for the suit to be dismissed, claiming the FTC hasn't convincingly demonstrated how these practices harm consumers or competition. With such contrasting views between Amazon and the FTC, how significant is this trial date set for October 2026? The setting of this trial date really underscores both the complexity and significance of this case. It indicates we're looking at a protracted legal battle ahead. Legal battles like these can stretch over years due to their intricate nature and the vast amount of evidence both sides will want to present. And what could be at stake here for Amazon if they're found guilty? The implications could indeed be substantial. In antitrust cases like this one, potential remedies could range from monetary penalties to more structural solutions like forcing a company to divest parts of its business. For Amazon, this could mean having to significantly alter how it operates its marketplace or even selling off portions of it to restore competitive balance in the online retail space. That would indeed mark a significant shift in online retail dynamics. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts on what this means broadly for big tech and antitrust enforcement? This lawsuit represents a pivotal moment in how antitrust laws are applied in the digital age. It reflects growing scrutiny on whether traditional understandings of monopoly power and consumer harm fully capture the complexities of modern tech-dominated markets. Regardless of its outcome, this case will likely set important precedents for how large tech companies are regulated moving forward. A fascinating case with wide-reaching implications indeed. Thanks for breaking it down for us today. My pleasure, Jonathan. Always happy to delve into these complex topics with you. That was PocketPod News business correspondent Leah Haynes. Thanks for joining us today. And that's The Daily Squeeze for Thursday, February 15th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Larry. We hope you have a good day, and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to PocketPod.app.